It's what we celebrate this Christmas season, the revelation of God in Christ. Join us. Truth for Today, coming up next. Throughout the Old Testament, God reveals himself primarily through prophets and the spoken word. But here in these last times, as the New Testament tells us, he's revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Truth For Today and our series, Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. Throughout the month of December, we're celebrating the birth of Christ, the revelation of God in flesh. And that's what we do today as we look once again at Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. Oh, and don't forget, and I'll have more information at the close of our program, tonight at 6 p.m., Here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we've got a special performance of our free Christmas gospel concert. And again, that's tonight at 6 p.m. I'll have the details at the end of our broadcast. But for now, here's our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. The Bible says over and over, Jesus Christ is God. John 5, 17, he called God his Father, making himself equal, and for this they picked up stones to stone him. He did not say, no, you didn't understand me. He held on to it. I am just like my Father in that I could do everything he tells me to do. I can raise the dead. I can do miracles. He said that. John 10, 30 said, I and the Father are one. Hey, how, I thought they were distinct. It's a neuter in the Greek. I and the Father are one thing. We share that one spirit that is God. We share that in common, but we are distinct persons. Romans 9, 5, we teach that our God, there, Israel was told, there is one who is God and Christ Messiah is God. What a powerful statement. But cults have come along. And a man in the second century by the name of Arius, he was a priest and uh, he lived in North Africa. He came along and he got into a big battle over this idea that Christ could be God. Uh, He just didn't buy it because there was a lot of philosophies around that said this. This is what the Gnostics said. God is too pure to ever be contaminated by touching matter, for matter is evil. So stuff is evil, so God could never directly create something that's evil. So they invented a whole system of spun-off lesser deities called emanations, lesser gods. And you'd start up here with the, the real God, and you'd get this whole pantheon of lesser beings. You might even throw in there angelic beings, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, lesser gods. And finally, you get down here to a junior God, way down, and he can create. But not directly from the hand of God himself. John goes right in the face of that. Creation came out of the hands of God directly. No middlemen involved. Christ, he's going to say, is that agent. Look what he says there. He was with God in the beginning through him. And that's an interesting term, through Christ, through the word, through the agency of all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, is that true? Is that true in biology 101? It's why science and religion seem to always be in conflict. Are we against science? Not against true science, not against true knowledge, not against true fact, but the Word of God is superior. How many of you'd want to be doctored out of a doctor book written in 1890? How many of you'd want to believe what you believe about science based on the year 1890? Oh no, it's changing constantly. Man's knowledge is relative. It's always changing. But this creator, God, he says, all the way back, everything that ever had its beginning, Christ was the divine agent that created it. But Arius said, no. There was a time when Christ did not exist. God did not create matter. Can't be. The Gnostics added that. And so Arius had to be refuted at the Council of Nicaea. And he was told there was never a time Christ had a beginning. And Christ is one in substance with the Father. He's not a less God. He is co-equal with God. I asked the question, who came to Bethlehem? One who eternally pre-existed all of creation? One who is in eternal communion and fellowship with the Father. One who is called God without apology. And then the fourth thing here says, he not only preceded creation, he is the agent of everything that was ever created. What a, what a powerful, powerful picture this is, that the creator is going to step out of eternity and live among creation and even allow a part of his being to be created. Imagine there is an aspect of him that he took on that had a beginning and it began in the womb of a little Jewish girl. What an amazing, that God needed diapers, that God needed a mother's breast, and he says it in Psalms 22, I was trusting in you while I was at my mother's breast. What an amazing condescension. Isn't it amazing that we want to go up? And he said, I'll go down. When you're all the way up, you can never save anybody all the way up. He had to come down to save. Reading the life story of Amy Carmichael, uh, by Elizabeth Elliot, the name of the book is A Chance to Die. And it's taken from one of Amy's letters back from India. She tried to rescue temple children being sacrificed for prostitution and for human sacrifices. And when she wrote back to England, she was often ridiculed because her letters were not glorious. They were not how great the mission field is, how great it will be if you come to India. She wrote of the grossest details of how bad heathenism was, and it shocked the people of England. And she finally wrote back one of her uh, missionary letters, and she said, if you choose to come to India, it would just be a chance to die. Have you found anything worth dying for, is what she said. And she, of course, died there after having rescued hundreds of young girls. And here our God, eternal, in communion with the Father, having all the credentials of deity, 
having all the acclaim that everything God ever wanted to create, he chose me as the agent to get it done. And I was back there in Genesis 1-1. And God said, let there be light. I was there. Let there be matter. Let there be space. What a creator. Have you ever th created anything? The closest you ever get to it is when you have a child. God lets you be a partner with him in creating a life. That is the highest compliment he's probably ever paid us. That he allows you to father a child or be the mother of a child. But I just found this little excerpt on what it's like in creation. Listen to this. There are about 100 billion stars in the average galaxy. And there are at least 100 million galaxies in known space. 100 million galaxies with over 100 billion stars in each of those. Einstein believed that we have scanned with our largest telescope only one billionth of theoretical space. This means that there are probably something like 10 to the 27th power, 10 with 27 zeros, in space. That would be 10 octillion. How many is that? 1,000 thousands equals a million. 1,000 millions equals a billion. 1,000 billions equals a trillion. 1,000 trillions equals a quadrillion. 1,000 quadrillions equals a quintillion. 1,000 quintillions, a sextillion. 1,000 sextillions, a septillion. And 1,000 septillions equals an octillion. So 10 octillion is a 10 with 27 zeros behind it. And Jesus created all of it. And yet he tracks every sparrow that falls to the ground. And every hair you've lost in your head, he knows which number fell. God the Son, the Creator, is going to pay a visit to his fallen creation at Bethlehem. A Creator God. We're so busy seeing him as the infant in swaddling clothes at Mary's breast that we sometimes, after all the fictions we grow up with, about this season of the year, all the demythalizing we have to do to our children. What is, are we really about? Is Jesus the reason for the season? You gotta be kidding. He's not at Fifth Avenue. It's about the end of the year prophets. It's about cash registers. It's not about God stepping out of eternity into time to reach us. I'm often reminded uh, of the story that uh, G. Campbell Morgan, a famous pastor of Westminster, used to tell of a young uh, pastor in England. And uh, uh, while he was pastoring, the church was not doing good. But there was an actor there by the name of McGrady. And McGrady was packing the theater night after night. And uh, this preacher became discouraged. And uh, he went to McGrady, got an interview. And uh, he said, uh, why is it that I preach God's eternal truth and can go only get a smattering of people and you act out fiction and you pack it out night after night? Would you explain that to me? 
What is the reason for the difference between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction, and the crowds come wherever you go. I am preaching the essential and unchangeable truth, and I am not getting any crowd at all. But Grady's answer was this. This is quite simple. I can tell you the difference between us. I present my fiction as though it were truth, and you present truth as though it were fiction. Why is Hobbes better at telling lies than we are telling the truth? I thought as I came today, God, I won't have all the special effects of Walt Disney today, but I will tell some of the most profound truth ever heard in the world. John 1. I got a smattering of people. Looks decent, but it's not impressive. It's not streaming over. Why is it? Because the world can sell lies better than we know how to present the truth, but it is the truth nonetheless. God stepped out of eternity into time, and everything created was created by this one that shrunk himself to Bethlehem's manger. And he finally says in this section, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So now, know here, light in this verse means eternal life in manifestation. So they're used interchangeably. The life of God is analogous to a light invading darkness. Then it says, the light shines, this eternal life found in God the Son, in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. Where was the Jerusalem Conset reporters when their Messiah was born? Nobody in Jerusalem knew what was going on. Herod would have never found out had not the wise men been making inquiry. And by the time they showed up, Jesus was about two years of age, living in Nazareth. What was it here? Light shined. He said to the Gentile world in Isaiah, there has been a great light that has shined to those sitting in the regions of darkness. And here he says, in him was life, self-existent life, life that never had a beginning. In him was eternal life. And he says, but when he came, when he came, the light was sought to be overcome by the darkness. And they debate this word here. They understood it not. Uh, it's a word in Greek that can be translated to seize, to grasp, and the debate is over this. Is it saying that men did not understand or comprehend the light, which is true, they did not? Or is it saying that the light was not by force put out, that it was not rendered ineffective? Well, I think both ideas are true of his coming. When Christ came to a darkened world, men sat without God's life, without God's divine light. And Christ says, I've come so that you might have eternal life, which will bring light into the darkness of your soul. Are you aware that everyone without Jesus Christ today sits in darkness? Their understanding is darkened. 
They don't understand what we're talking about. The natural man can't figure this stuff out. They're darkened, alienated. They set in the regions of darkness. And yet God sends this light, this eternal life, all the way from glory to a manger. Look at the end of the book to find out why John even wrote the book of John. Turn with me to chapter 20. Verse 30. This is why he wrote the book. Very unusual that you put the reason for the book at the end of it, but this is what he does. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that the human Jesus is the Messiah of Israel, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that term means one equal with God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. I'm going to tell you everything in a selective gospel. I want to pick seven signs, seven miracles. I want to give you eight I am's of Christ, and it's all that you might believe two things that Jesus is truly the Messiah, and he is God's son. He has the nature of God in him. And two, by believing, you can have life. Turn with me to 1 John 5, when he writes a book to give believers assurance of their salvation, and notice what he says. Verse 12, 5:12. He who has the Son has eternal life. And he describes that in verse 11. He who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, eternal life is like this. If, um, if I put that bulletin there and uh, I said, would you like eternal life, as it were, Let's say that's eternal life. Receive the whole book, receive this Bible, and you'll get what's in it. You'll get the bulletin with it. And eternal life is a person. When you get Jesus Christ, you get God's eternal kind of life. And what is eternal life? Not just duration of life. I mean, eternal life, when does it begin? When you die or now? It begins now. Because it's God's quality of life. And John 17, 3 says, This is life eternal that you might know God. And when you receive Christ by faith, and when you come to see him for who he is, God gives you eternal life, his kind of life, the very life in God himself that changes our darkness into light, takes away our heart of flesh, and gives us a heart like Christ. This is who what really came at Bethlehem. One existing before creation. One in constant communion with the Father. One who says, this is truly God. One who is the agent of everything ever created without consulting no one. He is the one in which life is. When God offers you eternal life, it is never a life apart from his son. It's just another term for his son. Receive my son and you will begin to enjoy the life of God himself in you. Now, 
at this time of the year, how many sit in the regions of darkness, whether their rooms lit up with white lights or not, in their soul there's a night, a, a great night of the soul. I close by the words of, of Wesley. I love this line, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thy eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldest love me? I beg of you, as saints of God, tell your kids the truth. The truth is greater than fiction. Hollywood is a tool of Satan. And I go to a movie now and then, so don't go out and think I live in Appalachia. Like I just fell off the ark. I'm not impressed with all the glitter just to doctor up a lie. I'd rather have raw bone truth without a band, and without a drum roll, than to have an error packaged full of all kinds of glitz. The truth sets you free, not the glitz. Not all this other. This is what keeps these merchants rich, is the fantasy and the fiction. We must not forget the truth. The truth is, our God wanted us bad enough. He came, and he said something. You know what I've seen in marital counseling for years? When the marriage is falling apart, the men will always miss the sex life. That'll go. They say, man, we're just not making love like we used to. Okay. That's the man's world. When you dig deeper, you know it's serious when you hear this. We just don't talk to each other anymore. We just can't communicate. Nobody listens to me. Nobody wants to hear me. And the man says, I have nothing to say. When the words and the communication stop, everything else will. And we had a 400-year suspension where God says, I have no more to say than what I finally said through Malachi. I'm tired of talking to a stubborn, rebellious, rejecting world. And then all of a sudden, out of eternity, comes the greatest communication God had ever done up to that time. Up to that time, he had made stars and milky ways. He had chosen little Israel. He had revealed scripture, but he had never spoken to us in a member of the Godhead himself on the earth where you could actually say, God is talking on the earth. And the silence of 400 years was broken by a baby's cry in Bethlehem of Judea in the arms of a little girl named Mary. God said, I want to communicate. I've got something to say. I want to give you life. I want to bring light into the night of this ruined race. That's what Jesus and our Christmas is all about. The light has come and we have seen a great light and it has shined into our darkness. Our series is entitled, Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. This has been Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. 
Thank you for joining us. Here in the month of December, as we gear up for Christmas, we have an awful lot of information to pass along to you about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, as well as Truth For Today and the Radio Ministry Weekly here on KFAX. First, a quick look at our calendar. Coming up throughout the month of December, we would invite you to join us. Sunday, December 8th, Saturday, December 14th, and Sunday, December 15th. We are offering three public performances of our free Christmas gospel concert. All of the details and information can be found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Or, if you wish, get a hold of us by phone, toll-free, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And again, you can find out all of the details about all of the events, and the special events especially, here in the month of December at our website, valleybible.org. And if you enjoyed the broadcast today, please bear in mind, all you have to do is get a hold of us and we'll send a copy your way on CD. Our purpose is to get the word out. And in the spirit of the season, we're making the sermon broadcast available on CD to anyone who calls. Now, in addition, for a gift of any amount, we'll mail the entire series to the first 50 callers each week. So get a hold of us today, toll free, 855 or visit our website, valleybible.org. Sunday services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we would invite you to join us, especially this holiday season, if you don't have a place to worship. Please consider spending time with us Sundays at 9 or 11. We meet at 1447 Willow Avenue here in Hercules. Details on our website, valleybible.org, or simply call 855-833-9864. Thank you for joining us for Truth For Today. Until next time, God bless.